All right, how's everybody doing today? Hotep, it's Michael M. Hotep, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. Uh, today is Tuesday, May 16th, 2017. There's a lot going on today. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to do this broadcast earlier today and ran into some technical difficulties. Um, then we have this uh, breaking news story dealing with um, uh, Donald Trump trying to pressure FBI Director James Comey to uh, end the uh, uh, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn investigation. You know, so I may have to do another broadcast to talk about that. But uh, what I plan to talk about and how's everybody doing today? OK, what I uh, now we should be. Uh, Okay, I want to make sure we had audio. Okay, good. All right, so we're broadcasting on Facebook Live also. So two things, that, uh, well, three things that I wanted to talk about. And I already had this plan to uh, do, I was trying to do this around 1 o'clock today, wasn't able to do the broadcast. Um, you have this disturbing story coming out of uh, Boston, Massachusetts, of um, African-American schoolgirls who were punished for wearing what are called box braids. They were punished for wearing box braids, okay? And they were sent to detention. And it was said that this violated school policy, okay? Now, the school disagrees with that, but it's a, it's a very disturbing story. And it also deals with how oftentimes uh, African-American girls are, are punished for... Um, different types of offenses that white girls are not punished for. Then there's a then there's a new study out um, that talks about is from the uh, National Women's Law Center, the National Women's Law Center. And this study, uh, there were articles that came out uh, uh, Thursday, May 11th, and Friday, May 12th. And this deals with um, the push out rate of uh, African-American girls. Um, the name of the report is called Stopping School Pushout for Girls of Color. Stopping School Pushout for Girls of Color, okay? And uh, this story, uh, this, this report deals with how um, African-American girls are five and a half times more likely, five and a half times more likely to be uh, uh, suspended from school than their white counterparts, five and a half times more likely to be suspended from school than their white counterparts. OK, um, so we'll talk a little bit about that. And then also we're going to do an overview of an online class that I teach called uh, Ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Ma'afa understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. We'll do an overview, about an hour overview of um, that online course also, okay? But this fool Trump, man, he's keeping he's keeping people busy, and I don't think he's going to make it to the end of the year, seriously. I think uh, he's going to be forced to resign, or they'll implement uh, the 25th Amendment, Section 4 of the 25th Amendment. We talked about that. Watch the broadcast I did last night here on Facebook, and we have to upload the audio podcast to our blog talk radio channel and put that on iTunes also. Okay. All right. So how's everybody doing today? 
hope everybody's doing well. Uh, I'm going to post the uh, link right here. If you want to register for our online class that meets on Fridays, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Uh, we do a thousands of years of history there. Okay. Okay. So you have this story coming out of um, uh, Boston, Massachusetts, Mystic Valley Regional Charter School in Malden, Massachusetts. Okay. Uh, not Boston. Let's just say uh, Massachusetts. Okay. Uh, Mystic Valley Regional Charter School in Malden, Massachusetts. All right. And according to uh, uh, black, blackvoices.com, HuffingtonPostBlackVoices.com has a story. Also, AtlantaBlackStar.com, BlackAmericaWeb.com uh, has an article written by Michael Cotman about this story also. Um, but according to the Boston Globe, several students at Mystic Valley Regional Charter School in Malden, Massachusetts, have faced detention and suspension for wearing box braids, box braids, which reportedly is against school policy. This is what some people were saying. Now, the school disputes that wearing these braids are against school policy, but it is against school policy to wear hair extensions. It is against school policy to wear hair extensions. And we're going to we're going to get to that. OK, now, three parents have come forward to call out uh, to call out the school for the policy which they believe unfairly targets African-American students. Now, one parent, her name is Colleen Cook, and Colleen Cook has a pair of twins, 15-year-old uh, daughters, Deanna and Maya, and they are adopted, okay? So the adopted parents are white, the twins are African-American, okay? We're gonna show you uh, them in just a minute so you can see their braids, because I didn't know what box braids were. I've seen box braids before, but the term box braids, I didn't know that's what they were called. All right. So uh, the twins, 15 year old uh, Deanna and Maya, are reportedly facing suspension after multiple detentions because of their hair, according to the Boston Globe. OK. And uh, it was also reported that the school began a crackdown on uh, box braids in April 2017. Now, according to Colleen Cook, the adoptive mother of these uh, of these two African-American girls. She said, quote, they marched black and biracial children down the hall to inspect their hair. This is according to her. The school disputes this, but just the whole situation is problematic. Now, other students, including 15 year old Lauren Kayondo, K-A-Y-O-N-D-O, Lauren Kayondo, have reportedly been suspended, have reportedly been suspended for refusing to remove their box braids. Now, on May 11th, 2017, you had school officials who responded to complaints about the policy uh, in a statement which said, uh, quote, now this is, this is what the, uh, the school officials are saying about these complaints, okay? Here's what they said, quote, one important reason for our student success is that we purposefully promote equity by focusing on what unites our students and reduce visible gaps between those of different means, okay? So basically they were saying certain hairstyles don't promote equity among the students. They go on to say our policies, including those governing uh, student appearance and attire, foster a culture 
that emphasizes education rather than style, fashion, or materialism. Our policy on hair extensions, our policy on hair extensions, which tend to be very expensive, is consistent with and part of the educational environment that we believe is so important to our student success, end quote, okay? Well, first of all, you can go to some of these Asian hair, uh, Asian beauty supply stores, and you can see all the hair extensions are not expensive. This is, this is number one, and a lot of people know what I'm talking about, all right? I'm not a fan of hair extensions. A lot of them are cheap as hell, all right? Now, while the, uh, so the article goes on to say, while the school maintains that the box braid ban is to ensure equality amongst all students. The policy against hair extensions disproportionately affects African-American students, okay? Now, at this particular school, this is Mystic Valley Regional Charter School in Malden, Massachusetts. I never heard of Malden, Massachusetts before this story, okay? But African-American students only make up 17% of the population. Now, according to WBZ News Radio 1030 in Massachusetts, Colleen Cook, and she was interviewed on the radio station along with, with her two daughters. Colleen Cook reached out to the ACLU, American Civil Liberties Union, Civil, American Civil Liberties Union, and the NAACP and the Massachusetts Anti-Defamation League to help address this issue. Now, officials from the uh, Anti-Defamation League, the ADL, had plans to meet with school officials uh, last Friday, May 12th, uh, but as of Monday, May 11th, uh, as of Monday, May 15th, I should say, school officials have reportedly refused to speak with a representative from the Anti-Defamation League. In the meantime, the article from Huffington Post Black Voices goes on to say, Deanna and Maya Cook have been instructed by their parents to no longer serve the detentions they've received as punishment. Quote, we felt that having them attend additional detention didn't serve impacting change with the school anymore. End quote. We felt that having them attend additional detention did not serve, uh, didn't serve impacting change with the school anymore. This is what their father, Aaron Cook, told uh, WBZ, WBZ Radio. Okay. He said, we, we felt that the issue now needs to be dealt with between the parents and the school and continuing to pile on additional punitive detentions really didn't help matters, end quote, okay? Now, this, of course, isn't the first time that African-American students have been targeted and punished for wearing traditionally African-American hairstyles. There have been numerous stories in recent years about students, particularly African-American girls, facing detention and suspension for wearing braids and afros to school. And we've seen different stories about African-American girls being targeted for having natural hair, being sent home, wearing braids, things like this, okay? So name of this article from blackvoices.com, Huffington Post Black Voices called Black Students Punished for Wearing Box Braids to School. Black Students Punished for Wearing Box Braids to School, all right? Uh, what I wanna do is um, let's go to this. I got these articles up about, uh, FBI director James Comey and this fool, Donald Trump. Okay. We're going to go to this in just a minute. Um, 
I'll show you a picture of the girls in their braids. All right, now, and we'll go to some of your comments here in just a minute. Now, have you all heard about this story? Um, AtlantaBlackStar.com has a story about it. Uh, uh, BlackAmericaWeb.com as well. Now, the, the story from AtlantaBlackStar.com, this is from May 15th. Okay, black students receive daily detention removed from sports team for braids because it does not promote equity. All right. This is just a this is just a crazy story. And this deals with the persecution that some of our children deal with in schools. And it's more likely to happen. It's more likely to happen in the school that is a predominantly white ran school, predominantly white teachers, administrators, and especially if African-American students are uh, a minority of the students, like this situation, they make up 17% of, of the students here, okay? Um, okay, so this article from uh, AtlantaBlackStar.com, and this is written by um, uh, Kirsten Willis, okay? She talks about how the head of a lawyer's group is condemning a hair policy that prohibits the use of hair extensions after two African-American students were punished for wearing box braids, okay? And uh, Ivan Espinoza uh, Madrigal, M-A-D-R-I-G-A-L, who's the executive director for the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights and Economic Justice, he spoke with Boston Channel 25 on Friday, May 12th, and he said, we were outraged by what we heard this morning, okay? So, um, they uh, now in this article here, they talk about from from the landblackstar.com. They talked about how it was reported that the two uh, uh, the, 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 the twins, um, Maya and Deanna Cook, were removed from sports teams and also banned from the prom. Um, the article from Huffington Post Black Voices didn't detail that. OK, so it, I mean, this is even worse. I mean, this is just totally ridiculous. Okay, so I, I want to bring this up here. Those on uh, Facebook, you'll be able to see this also. Um, okay, now I didn't mean to do that. Okay, here we go. All right, so you can see. All right, so this is uh, uh, Maya and Deanna. Don't know which one is which. They're twins. Okay. <laughs> All right, and let's see. They're with. They're with. They're with their adopted uh, parents. This is the article from the Washington Post. Washington Post has a big article about this from May 5th, uh, May 15th also. Massachusetts school punishes uh, twins for hair braids. Uh, their parents say it's racial discrimination, okay? All right, this up here, this is the broadcast we're doing on Crowdcast, black girls, just so you see. That's the broadcast and Crowdcast. Don't want you to think that's some pornography or something, black girls. No, that's the <laughs> we're broadcasting on Crowdcast through uh <laughs> through um Facebook. Okay. All right. So you all can see you all should be able to see this here. Okay. All right. So now this is the article from Washington Post. Massachusetts school punishes twins uh for hair braid extensions that parents say is racial discrimination. And this is from May 15th. Washington Post. All right. And then there's another picture. There's another picture here uh, of the uh, of the twins. So you can see their braids as well. All right. So what they're saying is now the school says 
in the article from AtlantaBlackStar.com. That's why I like to read more than one article about these different topics. That's why a lot of times it takes me longer to deal with a certain topic because I'm reading multiple articles about the topic. And I go back and read the source article because I went and read the source articles also that these articles cited as well. So it takes me long. I just don't just get one article and run with that. No, I don't. I've been doing this long enough to know not to do that. Okay. Um, so you have the, the, these girls were removed from sports teams. So in the article from AtlantaBlackStar.com, it says sisters Maya and Deanna Cook were reprimanded by the administration at Mystic Valley Regional Charter School in Malden, Massachusetts in April, April 2017. And after they refused to take out their braids, Boston Channel 25 reported that the Cooks, the, 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 the twins, were removed. They were removed uh, from sports teams and banned from the prom. Uh, Maya and Deanna Cook were also placed in detention daily. OK, so if so, my question is now, according to the administration and we'll, we'll leave the picture up of, of, the, of the two sisters. Uh, according to the administration, there's no ban against braids. So my question is, okay, if that's the case, then explain to me why were they, uh, why were they put in, the deten in detention? Why were they kicked off the team? So this is something, when, when things like this happen, African-American parents have to come out in masses and go to the school board meetings, go to the school, deal with the principal, get the news media involved, put pressure. Because when you do things like that, you can get a lot of these laws, you can get a lot of these policies changed. It's just totally ridiculous. And it's discriminatory. Okay, so, uh, and there was one school, there was one, you know, I may be able to, uh, I wonder if I could bring up this article. Damn. There was one, um, there was one case where uh, I think uh, blackhomeschool.com had an article about this. Um, this was dealing with um, African-American girls. And um, this was during uh, like African-American History Month or something. And it has something to do with uh, African-American girls being able to wear head wraps. And um, the principal at a particular school had a problem with this. I think outside of African-American History Month, the principal at a school, African-American principal had a problem with this. OK, I have to see if I can try to find it out because I have about literally about 10,000 articles and I have to remember who had that. It was either the black dot com or your black world. OK, um, let's go to some of your comments here. I want to leave the picture. I want to leave the picture of the sisters up so you can see who we're talking about. Okay. Um, let's go quickly. Some of your comments. So I'm monitoring this on, um, on my phone. Cause I only have one computer screen. I only have one computer. I should say two screens, one computer. All right. So how's everybody doing tonight? Hey, this is Michael M. Hotep, founder of the African history network, host of the African history network show. One dude is broadcast early today, but I mean, we had technical difficulties and I couldn't broadcast on Facebook and I had to go see my daughter. I have an 11 week old daughter. So it's been hectic. Okay. Um, 
So Adrian said, why not start our own schools that don't answer to the state or government funded by ourselves? Um, even from my understanding, even with home, I mean, you could do homeschooling, you could start your own school. There's still some regulations you have to follow. Now, dress code, you don't have to follow that. Okay. But the other thing is that uh, the overwhelming majority of African-American students, let's just be clear. And, and, you know, and I'm a big advocate for homeschooling, things like this. You know, I'm, I'm at the uh, Liberated Minds Black Homeschool Education Expo uh, each year. Okay. All right. What happened? Did we take it off of, uh, put it back there. Um, I'm one of the presenters uh, at the conference. The overwhelming majority of African-American students are going to go to public schools. The, the overwhelming majority of African-American students are going to go to public schools. OK, so we have to you can set that up. But running away from white supremacy does not fight white supremacy. You can go set up those those schools. Run, but we have to be very clear. Running away from white supremacy does not fight white supremacy. This is coming out of white supremacy and pushing uh, European culture and cultural standards on African-American children. All right. Um, okay, Patricia Thomas, Stephanie Tisdale, this is discussing about that school. Uh, Sonia Gray said what we really need to do is combine all of our resources and buy land and build our own city, put a wall around it. And it's okay. So you're going to build a city with 45 million African-Americans in it. Uh, Carol McGurdy said white folks see us not subscribing to Euro hairstyles as rejecting white supremacy. That's the real issue. Yes, you are correct. Uh, assimilation is not happening with many young people. Uh, you're not on that level. Um, Maxine said, uh, there's nothing wrong with their hair. Right. Okay. All right. So, um, let's continue here. And it may have been your black world that had this article. Um, but the parents came out in mass, uh, this other, this other, this other case, the parents came out in mass. I'm trying to see if I can find that. There was one situation where you had an African-American male who was the valedictorian of his class. This was last school year. And the principal said, white principal, said that he could not uh, um, attend graduation because he had a goatee, he had facial hair. You know, just crazy things like this. Okay, so this article from MilanBlackStar.com, let's continue. We're also going to do a um, overview of uh, my online course that I teach on Fridays, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, what they didn't teach you in school, okay? And uh, as soon as you register for that course, you can watch uh, the past two weeks' classes. There's also about 10 hours of bonus content to watch as well. We do the cl classes live. Uh, we record them. If you miss any of it, not a problem. You can go back and watch it over and over again. All right. How's everybody doing tonight?
Okay, Joseph said he remembered that. Yeah, Roland Martin interviewed um, the the boy and his parents on uh, News One Now with Roland Martin last year. He, he interviewed them. That's how I found out about that story. Well, this is one of the ways I found out about that story. Okay, so uh, an article from AtlantaBlackStar.com goes on to say, uh, goes on to quote Colleen Cook, uh, the mother of uh, uh, Maya and uh, Deanna. Uh, it says, uh, um, quote, all the little black children were marched down for a hair inspection, uh, quote unquote. The student's adoptive mother, Colleen Cook, says of the aftermath of her, of her daughter's punishment. Now, the school has defended the policy against hair extensions as a measure to promote uh, equity, promote equity. But a civil rights attorney who is now involved in the situation disagrees. Um, uh, Ivan Espinoza uh, Madrigal. Uh, who is a, an attorney, he said it is one of the most gross examples of a school policing the identity and expression of their students. His organization sent a letter to Mystic Valley's uh, uh, director uh, on Friday, May 12th, saying the policy violates federal anti-discrimination law since braid extensions are primarily worn by people of African descent. Okay. He, uh, he sent a letter to Mystic Valley um, um, Charter School, Regional Charter School, saying that the school's policy violates federal anti-discrimination law since braid extensions are primarily worn by people of African descent. And uh, the letter said, quote, denying young black women their opportunity to express their cultural identity will not make your school safer, more orderly, or less distracting. It will diminish your students and diminish your ranks. Now, the Cook sisters' story was covered in several publications, uh, leading the school to send a letter home to parents uh, on Friday, May 12, 2017. Here's an uh, excerpt of what the letter said. Quote, the specific prohibition of hair extensions, which are expensive, and could serve as differentiating a differentiating factor between students from dissimilar socioeconomic backgrounds is consistent with our desire to create such an educational environment, one that celebrates all that our students have in common and minimizes material differences and distractions, quote unquote. Okay, it, the letter goes on to say any suggestions that it is based on anything else is simply wrong. I have the feeling that whoever put together this policy probably was not African-American. Okay. Or if they were, they weren't somebody who like advocates wearing braids or anything like that. Now, um, it goes on to say, quote, media reports about our policy have contained numerous inaccuracies, but in addition to those outlined above, there are two glaring errors that demand a response. First, our uniform policy does not prohibit braids, okay? Second, the school unequivocally did not march a group of students to the office, all right? Now, if the school does not prohibit, if their policy does not prohibit braids, then explain to me why the girls are sent to detention uh, daily and why they were banned from the prom and explain to me why they were removed from sports teams. That's what I wanna know. So you'll hear more about this story.
Uh, we'll post articles at our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network. This is an example of how African-American girls are, are, are persecuting the schools uh, in, in many of these schools. OK. Um, OK. Now, you have this story from. Um, um, I'm sorry, the one from BlackAmericaWeb.com. That was about the that. Yeah, that was about the study from the National Women's Law Center. Um called um, push out a stopping school push out for girls of color stopping uh, school push out for girls of color all right and you have this article from the root.com from Michael Harriet for the root.com and all this ties into the um, uh, free preview I'm going to do of our online course ancient Kemet the Moors and the Maafa understanding the transatlantic slave trade what they didn't teach you in school because that deals with african people being stripped of their history and culture and then when you see stories like this african americans are being persecuted for embracing african history and culture or african culture things like this okay so um you have this story from the root.com written by michael harriet the root.com written by michael harriet um, black girls five times more likely to be suspended from school than white girls. Black girls five times more likely to be suspended from school um, than uh, than white girls. Okay, and uh, in the article it says uh, black girls do not uh, present more frequent or serious discipline problems. They are not slower learners, nor do they struggle academically more than any other student. He said, but according to a new report from the, the, the National Women's Law Center, black girls are twice as likely as uh, any other student to be suspended. Black girls are twice as likely as any other student to be suspended. And uh, five and a half times more likely to be temporarily uh, kicked out of school than white counterparts. Actually, in the study, it says that African-American girls are five and a half times more likely to be uh, suspended from school than um, um, uh, white, but then then the white counterparts, and uh, African American girls are twice as likely to be suspended from school than other students. Okay, and once again, the name of the study is "Stopping School Pushout for Girls of Color." In the article, there's a link to uh, the actual study. I went and looked at um, I went and looked at the uh, uh, some of the study today. Now, the National Women's Law Center is an organization that has worked for over 40 years promoting equality and opportunity for women for women and families. In its new report called Stopping School Pushout for Girls of Color, Stopping School Pushout for Girls of Color. OK, uh, in this new report, the group analyzed education data from every state and found that African-American female students African-American female students face disproportionately harsher uh, punishments in school. OK, uh, they looked all across the country. They found that uh, uh, African-American female students face disproportionately harsher punishments uh, in school. And, and we've seen uh, studies like this in the past that talk about how, you know, African-American girls are, are, are six times more likely to be suspended from school, think different things like this. Now, the results are startling. If we look at uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, African-American girls are 8.5 times more likely 
than white girls to be suspended, according to the U.S. News and World Report. According to the U.S. News and uh, World Report, um, in Washington D.C., African American girls are 73 percent of the school population, but 94 percent of all girls suspended. So they're overrepresented when it comes to suspensions uh, in Washington D.C. African American girls make up 73 percent of the school population, but 94 percent of those suspended. That means that 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 they are 17. Uh, 0.8 times more likely than white girls to be suspended. Um, the report uh, authors say that a number of factors contribute to this situation, okay? And they talk about this in the report. They talk about a number of factors that contribute to the situation. They talk about things that could be done to, to uh, change the situation uh, as well, okay? And... Um, and from the report, from a summary of the report, it says uh, national data shows that black girls are 5.5 times more likely and Native American girls are three times more likely to be suspended from school than white girls. In addition to these barriers, girls of color are more likely to attend under-resourced schools that are not culturally competent or personalized to their needs or interests, which negatively affects their educational opportunities and future earnings negatively affects their educational opportunities and future earnings. Yet despite these obstacles, the Let Her Learn survey, uh, the Let Her Learn survey is a survey they talk about here in the study, also revealed that girls of color, as well as girls overall, are motivated to graduate and continue their education and want help doing so, okay? They found that girls of color, as well as girls overall, are motivated to graduate and continue their education, and they want help doing so, okay? So in the study, uh, they offer some factors that contribute to this phenomenon, the, the, dealing with the uh, disproportionate suspensions of, uh, of African-American girls. Uh, one is you have stereotypes of black girls and women as angry or aggressive, stereotypes of African-American women as angry or aggressive and promiscuous or hypersexualized. And, and these can shape uh, uh, the, the, the views of school officials. These can shape the, the views of teachers, things like this, especially non-African-American teachers about African-American girls and very critical harmful ways, okay? And unfortunately, uh, a, a lot of our girls uh, sometimes try to imitate the images uh, that they see in reality TV because they see these women, they were swinging from a pole a year ago, now they're on reality TV and they've got this, they're with this guy and they, you know, and they're, they're taking selfies and they have hundreds of thousands or millions of followers on on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, things like this. So they see these people getting this attention and oftentimes they try to imitate this. Now also black girls are punished for challenging white society uh, of what challenging what white society deems uh, feminine behavior. African-American girls are punished for challenging what society deems as, as quote unquote feminine behavior like being candid or talking back, okay? Then also you have implicit and explicit biases about African-American children's behavior 
and capacity to learn. Okay, so you have things inherent that a lot of teachers bring to the table, especially a lot of non-African American teachers, because there was a uh, there was a study that that just showed that how um, uh, having at least one African American teacher uh, in like the third or fourth grade could um, have a drastic, uh, drastically positive impact on um, African American children. Uh, graduation rates, things like this. Uh, black, uh, the blackhomeschool.com um, had an article about this recently as well. Um, let me see if we can find that article here. Okay, and then also black students are more likely to attend under-resourced schools. Black students are more likely to attend under-resourced schools as well. Um, the article from the root.com goes on to say assertiveness while an asset in males, assertiveness while an asset in males is often suppressed in black girls at school, according to the report. And in the report, it says, ironically, the quality of, of assertiveness generally has led to positive public perceptions of black women in leadership roles. In fact, the let the let her learn survey found that black girls were more likely than any other group of girls to see themselves as leaders in this survey. Let her learn. Uh, they found that black girls were more likely than any other group of girls to see themselves as leaders. However, in the school setting, assertiveness can often be misidentified as, quote unquote, talking back or being defiant, which puts them at a greater risk of inequitable discipline. Okay, puts them at a greater risk of inequitable discipline. Now, the report highlights how the underfunding of black schools manifests itself and how girls of color are educated. Uh, the study, the, the studies data show that as the percentage of black student populations rises. Now, this is extremely important. This is why uh, African-American parents have to get more involved in uh, in, in the schools. Uh, this is this is something that's very important because the African American parents and and Black parent associations, things like this, can greatly impact um, school policy. Okay, um, the, the, and I've seen other studies that talk about this. Um, the, the the data from this study shows that as the percentage of Black students, uh, as the percentage of a Black student population rises. At, at, at schools across the country, schools statistically hire fewer counselors per student and bring in more law enforcement officers per student. As the population of African-American students in schools across the country rises, they hire less counselors per student and bring in more law enforcement officers per student, which uh, increases the chance of criminalization of, of African-American children. Okay, so you can check, uh, so some of the recommendations from the report, and you can check out the report yourself. You can check out this article. It has a link to the report. Name of the article, once again, from theroot.com. Uh, black girls five times more likely to be suspended from school than white girls. Black girls five times more likely to be suspended uh, from school than white girls, okay? And 
some of the recommendations, just a few that are listed here in the article. The report recommends educating teachers on implicit bias, enforcing anti-discrimination policies and reporting data, among other things. Um, the National Women's Law Center also suggests that lawmakers focus on data, increase school funding in minority areas and find ways to implement policies that tackle discrimination. It's up to schools, legislators, and officials to tackle these issues so that African-American women have the same opportunities as the rest of society, so that African-American women have the same opportunity as the rest of society. Okay. All right. Um, all right. So check out this article here from uh, theroot.com also. Um, black girls five times more likely to be suspended from school. Okay. Uh, than white girls. Okay, this is a, a new study that that came out, and let's see here. There's a. Um, let's see if we have the link to this article here. All right, how y'all doing on Facebook? <laughs> okay, here's the link to this article here um, from the root.com. We posted okay. We posted it right there. Then um, this other article. Let's see where is that one from uh, the blackhomeschool.com. They have an article here. Okay, so this is an article from uh, April eighth, two thousand seventeen. You can check this out. We'll post the link here also on the thread. All right. So we have Katina, Joseph. How y'all doing? Karen. Karen Gibson in Detroit. Let me uh, bring this up so you can see this. right here all right so this is an article from um, the blackhomeschool.com blackhomeschool.com uh, this article is from April 8 2017 uh, black teachers decrease the dropout rate for black students black teachers decrease the, the dropout rate for black students okay and a new study by a group of researchers at John Hopkins University. And let me see if we can blow this up. Okay. Uh, a new study uh, by a group of researchers at John Hopkins University concluded that black students gain a significantly higher chance of graduating high school and attending college by having black teachers in their lives starting in elementary school. According to um, a April 5th, uh, 2017 press release, which was published on the John Hopkins University website, this new this new uh, this new studies research team consisted of Seth uh, Gershenson, uh, who's an assistant professor of public policy at American University, Cassandra uh, M.D. Hart of um, University of California. Uh, and um, Davis and Constance A. Lindsay of American University. The study's co-author, 
uh, is Nicholas uh, Papa George, who's an economic professor at John Hopkins, Hopkins University. And the study's findings were published in the Journal for the Institute of Labor Economics. And what uh, Nicholas Papa George, who's the co-author of the study, said is that uh, black students matched uh, to uh, teachers. OK. And let me do the split screen again. OK. So what it said was, is that black students matched to black teachers have been shown to have higher test scores. But but we wanted to know if these if the student teacher ratio matches had longer lasting benefits. Okay. We found the answer is a resounding yes. Okay. Uh, and they said, we're seeing spending just one year with a teacher of the same race can move the dial on one of the most frustratingly persistent gaps in education attainment, that of low income black boys. So they're saying that, uh, in, if you, if, if an African American boy, African American children in general, but especially African American boys, if they have at least one African American teacher in elementary school, this can make a drastic, uh, difference in them actually graduating high school. Okay. Now, I think they need to have more than one African American teacher. I think the majority of the teachers need to be African American, but this is, um, this is a very important study. Okay. So check out this article. We posted the link here. Uh, black teachers decrease the black dropout rate for black students. Okay. Check out the blackhomeschool.com. I mean, they have some really good articles. We post articles daily from the blackhomeschool.com. I know, uh, Noma, Noma Langa, who's the founder of, uh, the black homeschool. Okay. I come from a long line of teachers also. All right. So check that out. All right. Okay. So, all right. How's everybody doing tonight or this evening? All right. I may do a, uh, I don't think I'm going to do a broadcast tonight on Trump. I may do that tomorrow. I'm, I'm tired of the fool. I don't think he's going to make it to the end of the year. Seriously. I really, really don't. I said this from the beginning. I said, I don't think he's going to make it to the end of the year and day by day it gets worse. All right. So, um, I'm going to do an overview of a online class that I teach called ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Ma'afa ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Ma'afa understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Okay. We're going to post the link here. You can register for this course. This is a five week, 10 hour course. It meets on Fridays online, 7 PM to 9 PM Eastern standard time. We do the class live. If you miss any of it, not a problem. We record all the sessions so you can go as soon as you register, you can watch um, the uh, sessions from the past two weeks and uh, you'll be ready for this Friday's class. We also have uh, about 10 hours of bonus content as well. OK, so we just posted the link there. You register for that. The class is only forty dollars. So it, the cost of about eight cups of uh, uh, Starbucks coffee um, is the cost of this class. OK, and. Let's see this. Um, and we do a slide presentation. It's a visual presentation that I do. OK, we do a slide presentation. We have video clips, um, book references, a lot of articles. So you're going to get a lot of information in this course. We deal with thousands of years of history. We deal with thousands of years of history. OK, when we deal with the transatlantic slave trade, we have to understand that the history of African people did not start in this country. August 20th, 1619 in, um, in Jamestown, Virginia, 
uh, when 20 20 some odd Africans um, were on a Dutch warship. Okay, our history in this country did not start. One of the first things we deal with is the African presence in this country going back tens of thousands of years. Okay, going back tens of thousands of years. That's one of the first things we deal with. And I know, um, let me see. I know uh, Dr. Ivan Van Sertema had the book that came before Columbus. Well, the furthest back he goes is about 1312 AD with Abu Bakari II. Okay. African people, we've been here at least 51,700 years. We've been here at least 51. There's documented evidence of an African presence in this country going back at least 51,700 years. That's the Khoisan. The Khoisan are from Southern Africa. They have the oldest DNA on the planet. Okay. And one of the, um, one of the references, um, in the course is the, um, let me try to find this book here. It's the book by Dr. David M. Hotel. Uh, the first Americans were Africans, documented evidence. The first Americans were Africans, documented evidence by Dr. David M. Hotel. And, um, if you listen to our audio podcast of our, if you listen to the podcast of our show, the African History Network show, you know I just interviewed them. Um, you know I just interviewed them uh, the past couple of weekends. Okay, all right. So let me bring this up. We posted the link there. You can register. Uh, Lois uh, Prince. Now everybody share this broadcast on your own Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in. Also, okay. All right. Let me show you this quickly here. Okay, so this is an overview of ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. I'm Michael M. Hotep, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. I'm a talk show host, researcher, lecturer, and writer. Uh, at the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right knowledge corrects wrong behavior. All right? Uh, what you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. Now, this online course came out of a presentation, uh, a lecture that I did uh, in January 2014, understand, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. We have that available at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, if you want to order that. That's a two-DVD set, four and a half hours, okay? And I do radio uh, here in Detroit. I'm on 9, 10 a.m., the Superstation, the voice of Detroit. Uh, 9, 10 a.m., the Superstation, the voice of Detroit. Uh, listen to the African History Network show Sundays, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I'm on the morning show every Thursday. Wake up with Steve Hood, 9, 10 a.m., the Superstation. I'm on the morning show every Thursday, 7 a.m. to 8.30 a.m. If, if you visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, we have information there about that, okay? Here are a few of the people I've interviewed over the past seven years. Um, we have over 700 podcasted episodes of our shows at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Some of them are some of my teachers, like Dr. Linda Jeffries, Professor Kaba Kamene from the Hidden Colors documentaries, Dr. David M. Hotep, who wrote the book, The First Americans Were Africans, Documented Evidence, and Professor James Small, who's in um, two of the Hidden Colors documentaries. But I've, I've also inter interviewed Dr. Phil Valentine, Dr. Francis Cress Wilson, Tony Browder, Renoko Rashidi, Dr. Ray Hagens, Shahrazad Ali, 
uh, actor and choreographer Darren DeWitt Henson, Deshaun Farad of uh, staff writer for yourblackworld.net, Jessica Holter, who is the founder of the Punani Poets, the Punani Poets. Okay, check them out. They do uh, erotic poetry, but they also promote uh, safe sex and HIV awareness, all different types of things like this. Uh, Dr. Umar Johnson, Professor Manu and Pim, talk show host and attorney Juan Valentine, Kalindi E, Hati Kalindi E from Detroit, uh, African martial artist and historian himself. Uh, Dr. Rakedi Amin, who's one of the foremost authorities on the Medu Netter, the uh, ancient pictographical writing of the ancient Egyptians. Kofi Johnson created the Afro Man series, and uh, also Dr. Wayne Chandler, just a few of the people um, I've interviewed. Okay. All right. Okay, let's get that back up. All right, so anytime I do a presentation, I know I'm gonna say some things people never heard before, may say some things people don't like. I usually have people put their fingers together to form a circle. I usually say something like this. The space inside this circle represents my realm of knowledge. Everything that I think I know about whatever I think I know is represented within the circumference of this circle. I must keep in mind that there's still things to know that exists outside the circumference of my own awareness, okay? Now, the reason why I say this is because oftentimes when people hear something that contradict what they've been taught, what they believe, or what they think they know, they automatically reject it without doing any research to determine the validity of the new information that they're learning. And at the same time, they usually don't use that same level of scrutiny to analyze, critique, or reevaluate what it is they believe or what they think they know, okay? So just because you know everything that you know about what you know does not mean you know everything there is to know about what you know. There's still things that exist outside the circumference of your own awareness, all right? Everybody understand that? So these are some of the things we deal with in the course because the only time growth occurs is when you step, out, is when you step outside your comfort zone and learn things that you don't already know. That's the only time growth occurs. All right, let's continue here. All right, now a lot of people ask how you pronounce your last name. Last name is Mhotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. Not to be confused with Hotep. Hotep is a greeting, it's an offering of peace. Mhotep mean, means he who comes in peace in the ancient Medu Neta language, which is the ancient language of the ancient Egyptians, the ancient Kemetic people, okay? Kemet is one of the original names of uh, Egypt, all right? E Egypt is not what we called it. Okay, that's an Arabic word of Greek derivation. That's an Arabic word of Greek derivation. Okay, uh, the word Egypt comes from um, the uh, Kemetic word Hekupata, which means land of the Temple of Ta, Hekupata. And the Greeks called it Egyptos, A I G Y P T O S, Egyptos. Uh, the Romans in Latin called it Egyptus, A E G Y P T U S, Egyptus. And uh, the Arabs called it Egypt. The Arabs called it Egypt. Okay, Egypt is not Egypt is not what we call the land. All right, Kemet is one of the original terms. Uh, Kemet means the land of the blacks. Also, you'll see Ta, Ta Mary, Ta Mary, which means the beloved land. All right, and one of the books we use in the course. Now, you don't have to go buy these books for the course, but I reference books. I reference. Uh, do, we do citations from the books. Uh, this is one of the references. Nile Valley. Con this is one of the uh, books we use in the class. Nile Valley Contributions to Civilization by Tony Browder. 
Nile Valley Contributions to Civilization by Tony Browder. How many people have this book at home? Nile Valley Contributions to Civilization by Tony Browder. And on page 268 in the glossary, he gives you the definition of Egyptos and gives you that history behind it. Okay. All right. So Imhotep was one of the greatest people ever lived in human history. He was a, a hot priest. He was a physician. He was an architect. Uh, he was designer of the step pyramid for Nisu Bitti Zosier or uh, Nisu Bitti Zosier in the third dynasty. Okay. Now we did not call them pharaohs. Okay. We did not call them pharaohs. Pharaoh is an Asian term which is used about around the 19th dynasty. Okay. Um, the term would be Nisu Bitti. All right. And uh, he was uh, he was known as the world's first multi genius as well, Imhotep. Okay, now depending upon which timeline of history you're going to see that he lived from anywhere between 2700 BC to 3000 BC, anywhere from 2700 BC to 3000 BC. All right, now because we know at least 130,000 years of our history has been stolen, and one of the things we deal with in the course we deal with archaeological studies. We deal with the archaeological study that just came out April 26 that talked about Mastodon, a Mastodon skeleton found in San Diego. And it appears that it was smashed by humans. And this Mastodon skeleton dates back 130,000 years ago. And this is over 100,000 years before Homo sapiens sapiens or humans were supposed to be in the land we call the United States of America. And I guarantee you these were African people. Because these were the only people on the face of the earth 100,000 years ago, 130,000 years ago. These were probably Homo sapiens sapiens, because as many of our scholars like Renoko Rashidi and Dr. Charles Finch and others have been saying, as well as Dr. David M. Hotel, they've been saying that Homo sapiens sapiens are not 75,000 years old or 100,000 years old or 200,000 years old, that we are at least 300,000 years old, at least 300,000 years old. And we deal with archaeological studies because they keep coming out. In April, there were three archaeological studies that came out. You had the two out of San Diego. You had one out of San Diego. You had two out of Egypt. You had a 3,700-year-old pyramid discovered in Egypt from about the 13th dynasty. You had eight mummies uh, discovered that are about 3,500 years old. So the deeper they dig, the blacker the planet gets. The more research they do, the older we get. The deeper they dig, the blacker the planet gets. The more research they do, the older we get. OK, we have the link here it says register here uh, on the thread of the broadcast. You click on that link. You can register for this online course. There's about 10 hours of bonus content uh, for you to watch as well. As soon as you register, you can watch last week's course also and you'll be ready for for this Friday. OK, because I mean, we deal with thousands of years of history in this class. We deal with the 800 year occupation of Europe by the Africans known as the Moors. We deal with Christopher Columbus and his four voyages, how this helps lay the foundation for slavery, racism, capitalism, the exploitation of indigenous people, etc. OK. Um, OK, so. Let's continue here. Now, this is Imhotep and this is not Imhotep, right? In the 2001 blockbuster movie, The Mummy Returns, the villains, one of the villains' name was Imhotep, okay? Um, so consequently, many of our children see uh, this movie and think that one of our greatest ancestors was not of African descent or not an African person. And they associate ancient Egypt with being something that's evil because in the movie, um, uh, they had this actor named Arnold Vosloo and he's a high priest from 
uh, ancient Egypt, and he's a villain. Okay, so many of our many of our people <clears throat> have already been taught to hate Egypt because of religious literature. Many of our people have already been taught to hate Egypt because of religious literature. Then you have movies like this that vilify Egypt, okay, as well, and, and still our history, still our culture. All right, so this is why we have to be cognizant of the images that our children watch as well. Because the number one way that European white supremacist images are fed to our youth is through the television. You call it a TV, I call it a television. It's a vision that tells lies, okay? All right. Let's continue. Okay, now, I, I've been studying media for 25 years. My degree is in business administration with a major in marketing. I've been studying African I started studying African history and culture, things like this in college, okay? And um, I've been studying for 25 years. I'm in six documentaries, everything. I'm in Resurrecting Black Wall Street, The Blueprint, from um, Dr. Boyce Watkins and Your Black World Films, director Dorian Chandler. I'm in the Black Friday documentaries. Uh, those in Atlanta, I'll be at the Liberated Minds Black Homeschooling Education Expo in Atlanta uh, the third weekend in July. I'll be there. I'm usually one of the presenters. I'm a vendor also. While I'm in Atlanta, I'll be uh, filming my portion of Black Friday Part 2 that uh, they're filming right now. And Black Friday is um, uh, Black Friday. What legacy will you leave? This deals with um, uh strategies to recycle our $1.3 trillion economy and strategies to build intergenerational wealth for African-Americans, okay? I mean, um, uh, Elementary Genocide Part 3 is getting ready to come out in the next couple of months from Director Raheem Shabazz. So I'm in there with um, Professor Kaba Kamenei, Professor James Small. A couple other documentaries coming out uh, probably this year that I'm in as well, okay? So... Uh, I, I deal a lot with media and the impact of media, okay? Also, January 25th, I forgot, January 25th, I'll be at Everlasting Life in, uh, I think it's in Washington, D.C. area, Everlasting Life Restaurant. Uh, we're doing a screening of uh, the Black Friday documentary screening and discussion. So I'll be there for that. We, we have to get that flyer up on our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. If you want to know where I'm going to be, um, um, you visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, okay? But I, I deal with media a lot, okay, and the impact uh, of media, right? Because uh, what you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you have been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. OK, so your thoughts create feelings, your feelings create actions and behaviors, your actions and behaviors create results. OK, um, so if you look at the state of the African-American consumer from September 2011, put together by A.C. Nielsen, the Nielsen company that calculates the uh, TV ratings. Right. Um, they found that African-American adults 18 to 49 years old watch 7.2 hours of TV a day. African-American adults watch 7.2 hours of the television a day. That's 50 hours a week. That's a full-time job plus 10 hours of overtime that you don't get paid to do. That's a full-time job plus 10 hours of overtime you don't get paid to do. African-American children see this and they learn this habit from their parents. So African-American children watch about five hours and 54 minutes of television a day, about six hours a day, 42 hours a week. 
This is programming that we're taking in. Okay. Um, all right, let's continue here. Okay, so there was a study from uh, 2012, and BlackAmericaWeb.com had an article about this. This deals with how TV kills black boys' self-esteem. TV kills black boys' self-esteem. And in the article, it said a new, precise, and exhaustive year-long study finds that watching television regularly distorts and ultimately destroys the self-esteem of young black males who often find themselves comparing one another to the characters they view on air, leaving them feeling trapped as if there are, quote, very few positive life paths they can aspire to. Very few positive life paths they can aspire to, okay? So check, check this out. These are some of the things we did within the course because we have to understand how we, how we are being attacked and we have to understand we are at war. African people have been at war for over 500 years, okay? We're being attacked by white supremacy and racism. We're being attacked by the media. Now, there's some good programs on TV. There's some good TV shows, you know, News One Now with Roland Martin, TV One. I think the uh, Black Enterprise show still comes on. Uh, Our World with Black Enterprise. Um, I watch AM Joy, Joanne Reed, MSNBC. Uh, Doc McStuffins is good for kids. There's some good programs, but there's a lot of nonsense on, and there's a lot of uh, uh, there are a lot of stereotypes, like TV shows like Empire, things like this. There's a lot of nonsense on TV that's destructive. Okay, all right. Let's continue here. Okay, so we have this. So we have this study here, and what's interesting is that when um, CNN did their when CNN did their uh, wrote an article about the same study, right? The name of the stu the name of the article from CNN was called TV can boost self-esteem of white boys. Study says TV can boost self-esteem of white boys. Study says. All right. This is the when CNN wrote their article. The, the, this is the title of their article, because when you read the study, it talked about how African-American boys and girls and white girls, their self-esteem was damaged by watching television. White boys' self-esteem was boosted because they saw images of themselves being doctors, attorneys, scientists, astronauts, saving the world, living in big homes, uh, driving expensive cars, living a good life. This is these are images that white boys saw of themselves. Okay, so it boosted their self-esteem. For African American children, it had the opposite impact. There's another study here. Uh, and we deal with, you know, different studies, things like this in the course. Okay. So we can understand why studying African history is so important. African history and culture gives you your VIPs. It gives you your foundation, your values, your interests and your principles, your VIPs. And this influences your economics and your politics. This influences your economic empowerment and political empowerment. Okay. All right. So this study right here is extremely important. Because this study documents what other ethnic groups of people already know. Okay. How's everybody doing on Facebook? <clears throat> How's everybody doing on Facebook? We've got Brandon, Angela Flood Williams, Jamala, Trina, uh, Trina Jackson, Brandon, uh, Lorethia, uh, June 25th. 
Yeah, June 25th. Did I say January 25th? June 25th. Um, yeah, June 25th, not January 25th. Y'all be in the uh, Washington, D.C. area at uh, Everlasting Life. Um, at Everlasting Life. Uh, Kitka, okay. Now, how many people like this information that you're seeing? How many people like this information here in this presentation? All right. Now, this study here blew everybody away. This was a joint study by University of Pittsburgh and Harvard University. This was a joint study by University of Pittsburgh and Harvard University. AfricanGlobe.net had an article about this. Other outlets had articles about this as well. Black teens with racial pride do better in school. Black teens with racial pride do better in school. January 1st, 2013. African-American teens with racial pride do better in school. So uh, in the article, it says African-American teenagers perform better academically when their parents instill in them a sense of racial pride. Now, this was this was contrary to some parents that want to teach their children to be colorblind and don't want to deal with history and culture. They want to teach them to love everybody. No, they need to love themselves first by studying their history and culture. A new study by the Harvard, by, by the University of Pittsburgh and Harvard University shows that when parents use racial socialization, such as talking to their children or engaging in activities that promote feelings of racial knowledge, pride and connection. OK, so this could be like taking them to Kwanzaa celebrations, taking them to African-American museums, taking them to different cultural celebrations, hearing speakers, celebrating African history and culture, African-American history celebrations, things like this, Juneteenth celebrations, etc. OK, when uh, parents do this, when when parents use racial socialization, such as talking to their children or engaging in activities that promote feelings of racial knowledge, pride and connection. It offsets racial discrimination's potentially negative impact on students' academic development. OK, this was a joint study by University of Pittsburgh and Harvard University. And, you know, Dr. Um, Dr. Marima Ani talks about how culture acts as an immune system that protects you from uh, other people uh, coming in and attacking you. OK, and it gives you your foundation, your history and culture gives you your foundation, your and it gives you your values, your interests and your principles. Um, Dr. Linda Jeffries talks about how whoever controls the images controls the self-esteem, the self-development, the self-worth of the people. Whoever controls the, the history control, whoever controls the history controls the vision. OK, so this is why all this is, is extremely important. And every ethnic group in America understands this. Every ethnic group in America, for the most part, they have their history and culture. They use it to fight for scarce wealth, power and resources. They use it to fight for scarce wealth, power and resources. They're not fighting to be equal. They're not fighting for equality. They're fighting to win a real life monopoly game where you have real winners and real losers. But so many of us, because we've been stripped of history and culture, we're trying to fight to be equal to Europeans. I don't want to be equal. I'd rather be equal to what my ancestors achieved. This is not, this is not a disrespect. This is not about superiority or inferiority. Okay, I don't, I don't get into that. This is not black supremacy or things like that. I don't, I don't get into that. But 
if you look at Asian Americans, for instance, Asian Americans make up about four, they make up about 4% of the U.S. population, maybe 5% now. 49% uh, of Asian Americans have at least a bachelor's degree. 49% of Asian Americans have at least a bachelor's degree. Asian Americans have the highest uh, median household income in the country at about $66,000 a year. Highest median household income in the country. They also make up a large percentage of those with PhDs in chemistry and math, things like this in the sciences. Okay. Asian Americans consistently outperform white students on standardized tests that white people make for their own children to pass. Asian Americans consistently outperform white students on standardized tests, SAT, ACT tests, things like this, standardized tests that white people make for their own children to pass. Those standardized tests are created for Europeans to pass and to lock out other people from other uh, uh, from other ethnic groups, things like this, from opportunity. This, this is why these, these standardized tests are created. If Asian Americans were trying to be equal to white people, they would have to lower their standards. If Asian Americans were trying to be equal to white people, they would have to lower their standards. All right. Okay, who want who needs me to post a link so you can register for this course? There's no sound. Anita said there's no sound. Can you all hear me? You should be able to hear me. Nothing has changed. Can you all hear me? Hold on, let's just do a sound check right here. Let's, let's check and make sure you can hear me. Okay, so it looks like you all can hear me. So um, I think somebody has to refresh their screen. Okay, you can hear me fine. Okay, let me just post this. Uh, so yeah, just refresh your screen. Okay. All right. Who needs me to post the link again so you can register for this online course? This is just a uh, this is just an overview. This is a for those just tuning in. I'm Michael M. Hotep, founder of the African History Network. This is an overview of an online class that I teach. This class is on Fridays, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's called Ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Maafa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, where they didn't teach you in school. We deal with thousands of years of history. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach in the school. You can ask questions during class if you want with the live chat. If you miss any of it, not a problem. You can go back and watch it over and over again. We, we record each session. As soon as you register, you can watch last week's class. Uh, and we also have about 10 hours of bonus content. The, the course, the full course is only $40, okay? Um, okay, we'll post a link here. Uh, again, somebody asked me to post it. You can you can register. You can start watching right away. The information is going to totally blow you away. You want to have a pen and pad handy so you can take notes also. So I give you a ton of information in each class. All right. Now, um, okay, let's continue here. We'll be here for a little while longer. Okay, so Lapita Nyong'o, very beautiful African sister, Lapita Nyong'o. And this is and this is the, the, the studies that we see, the attack on the self-esteem of African people, uh, colorization, things like this. This is why this is one of the reasons why studying African history and culture is so important. OK, so uh, Lapita Nyong'o in uh, April 
April 23rd, 2014, she was named the most beautiful person by People Magazine. She was named the most beautiful person by People Magazine, okay? And I wrote an article about this because I write articles also. I'm a talk show host, researcher, lecturer, writer. So I write articles, okay? You can read my articles at yourblackworld.net. I got to get our other website up um, where I have my articles, man. That's another $300 in a... Uh, I pay. I switched hosting companies, so I had to pay. The, I paid the new hosting company three hundred dollars. Then I got an invoice from WordPress for three hundred, like beginning of the year. I'm like, wait a second, I just paid three hundred dollars. Well, when I changed hosting companies, I didn't, I didn't realize I had to pay three hundred dollars twice. I'm like, okay. But I wrote an article. Lapita Nyong'o explains why she prayed to God to make her light skin. Lapita Nyong'o explains why she prayed to God to make her light skin. So Thursday, April 23rd, 2014, they did a story. Diane Sawyer did a story on ABC World News Tonight. And she talked about Lapita Nyong'o being named uh, People Magazine's most uh, 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 most beautiful person. Okay. And this is a beautiful sister. This is a beautiful sister. Um, and, and we first saw her in the movie 12 Years a Slave, right? In, in the story, Deborah Roberts, who's African-American and, and, and dark-skinned, another beautiful sister as well, did a story about colorism and the effects of the media on our children. Now, Lapita Nyong'o talked about how she had one wish when she was younger, because she grew up in Africa. She had one wish when she was younger, that she would grow up light, that she would wake up the next morning and be light-skinned. And she prayed to God each night to make her lighter skin, okay? And... Um, in the in the study that they did, they uh, in, in the story they did a um, a uh, black dial white dial study. The study was conducted by Dr. Deidre Royster, Ph.D. Dr. Deidre Royster, Ph.D., who's a sociologist from New York University. Okay, and they um, uh, in the study they had uh, uh, girls five years old to eight years old, different ethnicities. And they showed them the black dial, white dial, right? And the uh, uh, each time, most of the time, girls continued to choose the white blonde hair dial as the pretty dial. Asian girls, white girls, African-American girls, Hispanic girls. Majority of the time, the girls continued to choose the white blonde hair dial as the pretty dial. So when uh, Deborah Roberts, who was the reporter, asked, Dr. Deidre Royster, quote, what does that say to you about what message they're getting, end quote, referring to the children? Dr. Deidre Royster replied, and I quote, blonder, lighter, more European features are still seen as the most desirable, end quote. Blonder, lighter, more European features are still seen as the most desirable, okay? So I asked the question, what happens to our children when they put a higher value on European features than their own features? What are we willing to tell them? What are we telling them? And why are some of our parents too ignorant to protect them from this? If you do not understand European white supremacy and racism, what it is and how it works, everything else that you think that you understand will totally confuse you. And, and in the story, it said that TV may be partly to blame. So this is why understanding these images and Reclaiming African history and culture is so important because it helps protect us from this. It helps protect us from this. It gives us our VIPs, our values, our interests, and our principles, which 
creates a, an African-centered cultural paradigm that we see reality through, that we judge beauty by, etc. Okay, TV may be partly to blame. This is what this this is in the story. This is what they said. 76 percent of the faces we see on primetime television are white, and just sixteen percent are African American, which might explain the girl's response when asked who they would prefer who they would prefer to look like. Most of the girls want to look like the blonde, the blonde uh, white doll. Okay. And they're getting this bombarded with these images, television, magazines, video games, etc. Now, in the study, I'm sorry, in the video, at the end, they asked the girls, which doll do you want to take home with you? And it was a tug of war over the over the blonde hair white doll. So I asked a question. Do African-American girls who value the blonde hair white dial and have a tug of war over the blonde hair white dial, if that psychology is not corrected, do they grow up to have African-American boys who grew up to be African-American men who have real life tug of wars over white women with blonde hair? If that is not corrected, do African-American girls who have the tug of war and have the value and want the white doll with the blonde hair, do they grow up to have African-American boys who want a real white woman with blonde hair and have a tug of war over her? What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you have been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So these are some of the things we deal with in the class. All right. Now, here's the step pyramid uh, of the Subitzi Zosier uh, that Imhotep was a designer of. Right. Now, this is called a mastaba. This is one of the early pyramids. It's different than the pyramids of, at Giza, of Khufu, Khafre, and Menkere, the, the three great pyramids. Those are more sloped, more intricate design. This is a mastaba. Mastaba means flat bench. Okay. So this is an early pyramid. And you're going to find that there are more pyramids in the Sudan, which was called Nubia or Ta-Nehisi, than there are in Kemet because, or Egypt. Because uh, the Sudan or Nubia was the mother to ancient Kemet. The grandmother was Ethiopia or Abyssinia or the region which was called Kush. That's the grandmother because civilization flows up the Nile River. There are about 235 pyramids in the Sudan. There are about 125 to 135 in uh, Egypt. Okay. So these are some of the things we deal with in the course. We deal with thousands of years of history and we try to deal with a chronology of history as well. Okay. Historical events don't happen in a vacuum. Historical events do not happen in a vacuum. The transatlantic slave trade was did, did not just fall out of the sky. It wasn't just something, oops. This just popped up. No, the transatlantic slave trade was the result of a sequence of historical events that had a domino effect that led up to a larger event taking place. OK, so this, so this is why we do it, try to deal with it chronologically. You have some people that deal with the transatlantic slave trade episodically. 
for my research on this and studying this 25 years, you can't deal with the transatlantic slave trade without talking about the 800 year occupation of Europe by the Africans known as the Moors who bring Europe out of the dark ages, take teachings into Europe that come from ancient Kemet from the mystery schools. Okay. Introduce nautical instruments, spherical globes, almanacs, uh, and a lot of your early universities in Europe, University of Toledo, Barcelona, Bologna, things like this, Oxford University, they were created to study the Morse science text, to study the teachings that the Moors took into Europe. Moors, the Moors are going to build libraries, they build castles, they introduce a postal system, introduce sanitation systems, they introduce something called chemistry, uh, so this, it was called alchemy, today we call it chemistry, they introduced the periodic tables, all of this stuff, they save Europe, okay? So you have to deal with this chronologically. You have some people that deal with it episodically. You can't do it. You can't deal with it episodically, okay? And we deal with it, and since we deal with a lot of dates, we, you know, I explain the difference between BC and AD dates. BC dates count down, AD dates count up. The, the dating system of BC and AD before Christ and Anno Domini, uh, which means in the year of our Lord, AD does not mean after death. This was formulated by an English monk named Bede, the Venerable, Venerable Bede, B-E-D-E, in 8th century AD, okay? Uh, so some of the things we deal with, what was the transatlantic slave trade? Okay. What exactly was it? What were some of the events that led up to the transatlantic slave trade starting? Okay. What role did Christopher Columbus play? Columbus is critical in the transatlantic slave trade. Columbus set sail. Now, and what I do, I show you where he went on his four voyages. His first voyage started August 3rd, 1492 on the Nina, the Penta and the Santa Maria. It took him almost seven years to convince King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella of Spain to finance his voyage. OK, he's using nautical instruments based upon technology introduced by the Moors. He has Moors navigating some of his ships like Pedro Alonso Nino. OK. Um, and he lands in uh, the Bahamas or what he calls San Salvador, October 12, 1492. And his four voyages opens up the so-called new world to other European powers coming in, exploiting uh, 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 enslaving the people, setting up plantations like sugarcane plantations, uh, extracting extracting mineral wealth and gold and silver, things like this from the land and using these these riches to rebuild Europe that was coming out of the dark ages. They had lost between one quarter to one third of their population in the 14th century because of the Black Death, the bubonic plague, which hits in 1347 A.D. and hits in spurts from 1347 to 1400. They lost between 25 million to 75 million people. And Europe is trying to rebuild. They're trying to recover. And we have to stop lying to our children, telling them that uh, Columbus discovered America. OK, we have to stop lying to our children, uh, telling them that Columbus discovered America. The reason why is, is because um, um, when you study his four voyages, Columbus never came to the land that we call the United States of America. When you study his four voyages, he never came to the land we call the United States of America. The closest he came was Cuba, which is 90 miles away. The other thing is, is that 70% of the people Columbus encountered on his four voyages were African people. At least 70% of the people he encountered on his four voyages were African people because we were already in those lands where he went. And we were in South America at least 56,000 years ago, but there's new evidence that pushes that date back going back 100,000 years ago. We were in this land 
we call the United States of America at least 51,700 years ago, the Khoisan, who have the oldest DNA, oldest DNA on the planet. They're the ancestors to the Ainu and the Twa. They come from Southern Africa. They're also called the Khoi Khoi or the San. They have the oldest DNA on the planet and they were here. You also have a presence from ancient Kim in ancient Egypt here as well. Uh, we deal with when did Africans first come to the U.S. as slaves? Because we were here even before August 20, 1619. Did Africans sell themselves into slavery? We deal with that complicated history because the way a lot of people tell it is not really what happened. And they try to blame Africans for the slave trade and things like this. No, Europeans were the ones who were in control of the slave trade, who owned the slave ships, who owned the insurance companies that took out insurance policies on the ships, who forced who to build the slave dungeons, who sailed to whose land. To, 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 to get the slaves, okay? Who controlled the plantations, all right? So when you actually study this, who had the asiento of the, of the Spanish colonies in the 16th century? Who had the doctrine of discovery of 1442? Who had the papal bull of 1455? Who had the treaty of Tordesillas of 1494? When you study this, it's clear who was in control. It wasn't African people. We did it. Were African people in America before the slave trade? Yes, African people are indigenous to North, Central, or South America. Yes, we came from Africa, but we came much earlier than originally thought. We deal with the 800-year occupation of Europe by the Africans known as the Moors. We deal with a lot of history dealing with that. We deal with shocking archaeological discoveries that are causing experts to have to rethink everything. When you When you look at these studies, just like... The study that came out of uh, San, uh, San Diego, 130,000-year-old mastodon skeleton, they said that we have to start looking. They said, they said uh, archaeologists should start looking for humans in places we never thought we had to look before because that discovery just totally changed everything, okay? That, dis that discovery just totally changed everything, okay? All right, how's everybody doing tonight? Somebody said I'm repeating. Well, what do you mean I'm repeating? People, people are tuning in at different times. So sometimes I repeat myself because I know people are tuning in at uh, different times so they can understand what I'm talking about. How do you all like this information? This is, this, is, this is the type of information that we deal with at the African History Network. Okay, let's continue. We'll be here for a little while longer. Uh, then I got to do some research on this fool, Donald Trump, once again. Uh, we try, you know, 96, you know, African-American women tried to save America. 96% of African-American women voted for Hillary Clinton because they knew Donald Trump was crazy. African-American women tried to save America, but white people wanted to vote for white supremacy and racism. And we have the studies to prove that the driving factor wasn't economic development. No, it was, it was white supremacy and racism. So this is what you get. You get an idiot. We tried to warn America. This was a fool. He was crazy. He's mentally ill. You see what's you see what's taking place. Karma is a mother. Karma is a mother. Okay. And and you know, he's coming back to kick them in the behind. All right. Uh, I was gonna try to show you this quickly here. We could bring this up. The story coming up, you know, in uh, all the uh, April 26th, and I, we talked about this in um, I think the first class. So as soon as you register, you'll be able to watch that. OK, um, 
the mastodons uh, uh, nbcnews.com had an article about this uh, all the news outlets time cnn discovery channel uh la times washington post new york times everybody had a story about this about this discovery i'm going to show this to you right here Just a second, do the screen share. And we do this in class also with the screen share where you can see the PowerPoint presentation. You can see, because uh, I reference uh, articles from the internet, we show video clips, things like this. So it's a multimedia uh, class also. All right, let me show you this quickly here. This is one of the stories about this discovery that's causing causing scientists to have to rethink everything. Mastodon bone findings could upend our understanding of human history, okay? And these archeological discoveries are happening all the time. And the deeper they dig, the blacker the planet gets, the more research they do, the older we get. When these archeological studies take, uh, when these archeological findings happen, is blowing their minds, scientists' minds, archeologists, anthropologists, paleontologists, and they're saying we have to rethink everything. The deeper they dig, the blacker the planet gets, the more research they do, the older we get, and they keep having to push dates back. They keep having to push dates back. Here's what, here's what came out April 26. Mastodon bone findings could upend our understanding of history. Paleontologists have dug up a 130,000-year-old mastodon skeleton, okay? that looks like it was smashed apart by humans. Now, mastodon is a predecessor to uh, the elephants. They had the tusks uh, and they, 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 were a they, they were like a prehistoric animal, uh, a uh, ancestor to elephants, okay? This skeleton looks like it was smashed apart by humans, but they found it in America where people were not supposed to have arrived for another 100,000 years. How could that have happened? The researchers say they think early humans must have come to America much, much earlier than anyone ever thought. Early humans must have come to America much, much earlier than anyone ever thought. They suggest that other scientists start looking for evidence of people in places they never bothered looking before. If the conclusions are confirmed, they will turn North American archaeology upside down this this discovery right here totally blew their minds now stephen holen is from the center for american paleolithic research in south dakota and he's an expert on uh he's a paleontologist but he's an expert on mastodon skeletons okay and, and also he's an expert on how they looked when they're smashed by humans or if they're smashed by uh, other means. He said, quote, I know people will be skeptical of this because it is so surprising. And I was skeptical when I first looked at the material itself, but it's definitely an archaeological site. OK, um, so you can check out this article. We did. We, we dealt with this in the class. We went in depth in, into this because, I mean, this discovery right here just blew everybody's minds. And this uh, puts a if this is correct. And I think it is. It puts a African presence in the Americas over 100,000 years before humans were said to have been here in the Americas. OK, so 
these discoveries are being revealed all the time. And each time it's causing them to have to rethink everything. Each time it's causing them to have to rethink everything. The deeper they dig, the blacker the planet gets, the more research they do, the older we get. Okay. All right. Um, so we also deal with, um, Insurance companies that took out uh, insurance policies on slave ships and enslaved Africans on plantations. We deal with, deal with Freemasonry in America, okay? Not the conspiracy theory stuff. We deal with like, real Freemasonry in America and the founding fathers. Because 50, 50 of the 56 uh, signers of the Declaration of Independence were Freemasons. And Freemasonry is based upon teachings coming out of ancient Kemet, taken into Europe by the Moors, the Knights Templar get a hold of this. They're formed in the uh, 12th century A.D. during the Second Crusades, 1118 A.D. When they're disbanded, uh, you have uh, you have groups of them rounded up in 1307, 1310, 1314 in different European countries. When they're disbanded, uh, in, in one group, they're rounded up on uh, October 13th, which is a Friday, Friday the 13th. And this is one of the reasons why... Um, it's believed that Friday the 13th is unlucky because this was said to be the day that the knowledge stopped. And the fear of Friday the 13th is called frigatriscadecophobia. Frigatriscadecophobia. That's the fear of Friday the 13th. Uh, so they're disbanded that, that those teachings go underground. They resurface as the Scottish rites of the Freemasons, the Rosicrucias, these other secret societies. So societies are secrets. But then that information is going to come to the U.S., come to the 13 colonies, Jamestown, Virginia, New York, these other colonies, and 50 of the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence, uh, July 4, 1776, and August 2nd, 1776, because the majority of the signers signed it August 2nd, 1776. 50 of the 56 signers were Freemasons. And we see Freemasonry, we see Africa on the $1 bill. This is why. This is where this comes from. Layout of Washington, D.C. is based upon ancient African principles coming out of ancient Kemet. Layout of Washington, D.C. is a copy of ancient of ancient Egypt, ancient Kemet. There's another book that we use from Tony Browder, Egypt on the Potomac, Egypt on the Potomac, which deals with how the layout of Washington, D.C. is uh, a copy of uh, ancient Egypt, a guide to decoding Egyptian architecture and symbolism in Washington, D.C. OK, um, and he deals with the secrets that are uh, from ancient Egypt that are hidden in plain sight. Uh, the influence of the development on the United States is capital city. America's founding fathers were profoundly influenced by ancient Egyptians. Egypt is on the Egypt on the Potomac. Uh, Egypt is on the Potomac, but you will never know it if you don't know what to look for. OK, um, so he, he deals with the hidden history of Washington, D.C., coming from ancient Kemet, ancient Egypt. All right. Okay. My volume is at max. I can't hear you. You can't hear me. Try to refresh your screen because we've got, I'm, run, I'm running through my audio system through my mixer board. Can everybody hear me all right? So I don't know. I've got an industry standard microphone. So I don't, you know, I'm running through my mixer board and, um, Testing, 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 testing. So I'm not sure why you can't hear. Okay. Uh, but this is recorded. You can also go back and watch it again. All right. 
So you can register for this online course. Uh, I teach it on uh, Fridays, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school, uh, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Fridays. If you can't make it, all the sessions are recorded. We do it live. All the sessions are recorded. You can go back and watch it over and over again. We'll post the link again here. You can register for this online course. As soon as you, as soon as you register, you can start watching. Um, as soon as you register, you can uh, start watching content. You can watch last week's class. We also have about 10 hours of bonus content to watch also. Uh, another thing that we deal with in the class is, uh, oh, the class is only $40. Class is only $40. Also, we have a bundle pack. We got to tell you. We have a, a bundle pack as well. So you can register for four of my online classes for $80, regularly $120. Um, because the other classes I teach, um, Empire Strikes Black, the Propaganda of the Media, and uh, uh, Great African Women in History, the Mothers of Civilization, um, and Richard Nixon's War on Drugs was a war on the African American community. So you can, um, we'll post the link for the bundle pack there also. Um, and this bonus content, all that, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot to watch. Okay. All right. So, uh, we also do with the origins of the term America and Africa, because most people don't know the history of the origins of the term America or Africa. Africa was not named after Publius Cornelius Scipio Africanus. No, it's the other way around. His last name, his family's last name was not Africanus, it was Scipio. Okay. In Africa, the prefix Afri refers to a group of black African people in Algeria and Tunisia. And Tunisia used to be called Carthage. In, Amer in America, it refers to the Ameri or the Amerique or the Los Amarisques, a group of black African people in Nicaragua. So we deal with the origins of the terms America and Africa as well. Because most people don't know the origins of this. And not only are African people indigenous to North, Central, and South America, but the word America has an African origin. And uh, the word Africa as an African origin as well. Okay, so we, we deal we deal with the real history. All right. We also deal with the problem with slave movies because we're being bombarded with slave movies. 2013 was known as the year of the slave themed films. You had seven slave themed movies in 2013. Uh, so we're being bombarded with slave movies. Personally, I think it's to keep us in the slave mentality because when you have these slave movies, 12 years of slave, you have movies like... Uh, Django Unchained, or you have uh, the remake of uh, of Roots on the History Channel in uh, May of 2016. Nowhere in these movies, not in the slave TV show Underground. I know they're trying to teach history, things like that. They still perpetuate the, the 1619 myth, the myth that our history started in this country, August 20, 1619. Nowhere in these stories that they talk about African people being here in this land tens of thousands of years before Native Americans came into existence. We were here before Native Americans came into existence because the people who we call the Native Americans are the offspring of an intermixing of Africans who were here for tens of thousands of years, like the Khoisan and Asians who come here in 3000 BC and they intermix and their offspring are who we call Native Americans. Nowhere do they talk about this. This was our land stolen from us. This was our land stolen from us. That's not talked about. 
This is so the so the 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 the, the slave movies and the TV show perpetuate a 1619 myth. And they perpetuate a myth that this was not our land, which is not true. One of the names of this land was Turtle Island. Okay, so when you understand this history it causes you to have a paradigm shift. And what you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you is based upon what you think about yourself. So it's psychologically damaging when African people think their history started in this country conquered by Europeans and shackled in, sh in chains. No, no, that's not that's not accurate. So we talk about the the uh, what's known as the first holy trinity of Asar, Aset, and Heru, and the origins of the Immaculate Conception, the Adoration, the Virgin Birth, because that's an ancient African story that goes back to at least 3300 B.C. in ancient Nubia or Ta-Nehisi. And we see that story taken into ancient Kemet or ancient Egypt. And then we deal with the fake Willie Lynch speech of 1712 because Willie Lynch never historically existed. Willie Lynch never historically existed. That character of Willie Lynch was created in 1970 by Dr. Kwabina Ashanti. He's come out and admitted it. But there are words in the Willie Lynch speech of 1812 that didn't even, didn't even exist in the early 1800, early in the early 1700s. This, this speech is a fraud. We need to stop talking about Willie Lynch. Willie Lynch never historically existed. We need to just throw that in the garbage can, set it on fire. All right. Um, so Malcolm taught us about the media. Malcolm's one of my heroes. You see the picture behind me of Malcolm X. He said the media is the most powerful entity on earth. They have the power to make the innocent guilty and the uh, guilty innocent and that's power because they control the minds of the masses okay he told us about the power of the media um, this is Dr. David M. Hotel he wrote the book the first Americans were Africans documented evidence page 14 of his book he deals with an African presence going back at least 51,700 years ago in Allendale County South Carolina discovered by Dr. Albert Goodyear and what they found were um, they, they found um, uh, 13 different disciplines documenting the African presence in this country going back at least 51,700 years. They found artifacts, architect, architecture, campsites, carvings, Egyptian writings, footprints and lava, genetic M174D haploid groups dealing with DNA and genetics, linguistics, paintings, skulls, skeletons, structures and tools. 13 different disciplines documenting the African presence in this country. But then, um, ScienceDaily.com, which is a scientific journal, ScienceDaily.com had an article from November 18, 2004. And the name of this article is um, New Evidence puts man in North America 50,000 years ago. New evidence puts man in North America 50,000 years ago, okay? And in the article, they uh, they dealt with Dr. Albert Goodyear and his discovery. And this is, this is a, here's a synopsis of the article. Here's what it says. Radiocarbon tests of carbonized plant remains uh, where artifacts were unearthed last May along the Savannah River in Allendale, in Allendale County 
by University of South Carolina archaeologist Dr. Albert Goodyear indicate that the sediments containing these artifacts are at least 50,000 years old, meaning that humans inhabited North America, meaning that humans inhabited uh, North America um, long before the last ice age, meaning that humans inhabited North America long before the last ice age. Okay. And this is from ScienceDaily.com, November 18th, 2004. And in the article I showed you from NBC News, uh, Dr. Albert Goodyear is interviewed in that article also. The article about the uh, Mastodon skeleton, uh, Mastodon bone findings could upend our understanding of human history. Dr. Albert Goodyear is uh, referenced in, in, in that. He's interviewed actually in that uh, article as well. Okay. Let me flip this back over. All right. So that's an overview of um, some of the things we deal with in our online class, ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. We deal with thousands of years of history, archaeological discoveries, like this one, Thomas Heraklion, the lost city of Egypt. Uh, Thomas Heraklion, the lost city of Egypt, which was... Uh, lost about 1,200 years ago. Uh, we do a lot. We do a lot of history. Okay. Deal with the Africans known as the Moors. A lot of stuff. We try to do things chronologically as well throughout history also. Okay. All right. So how'd you all like that? Did you all learn anything? How's everybody doing tonight? Adrian Stewart, Sylvester. Um, okay. So you can register for this online course. Uh, once again, we'll post a link here. And uh, we also have the bundle pack also. As soon as you register, you can start uh, watching the content you watched last week's class. This class meets on Fridays, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And um, you don't have to, I mean, if you can't make it or can't stay for all of it, that's fine. We record the class also. So, you can watch it over and over again. So as soon as you register, you can watch last week's class and you'll be ready for um, class this Friday. All right. Okay. So, all right, guys. So look, we got to get out of here. Oh, also visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Listen to our audio podcast. We have video clips, recommended reading list of books there. All of my lectures are there also. If you want to order those. I'm Michael M. Hotep, founder of the African History Network host of the African History Network show. And remember, at the African History Network, we focus on uh, educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right knowledge corrects wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. We'll talk to you next time. Peace.